The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. gotta change it change it girl change the world it's time for us to change it that was wake up everyone with uh terry uh i'm sorry um teddy pentagrass pentagoss my apologies y'all um just to get the stage set for what I'm going to present today, because what I am trying to show you guys is that the world has changed and it has been changing for some time. Uh, what you're seeing uh, in my presentation currently is that change. And it all started uh, with 
the way the United States has started to lean toward extreme right policies. And that is what I am trying to show my audience. I want to be clear that the United States is no longer a democracy. Be clear with that. What I am showing you is how we got to this point. And again, this is Carlos Carr Sr., also known as the KCOG. And welcome to the Right Authority Podcast. Why am I here? We are building an, an intelligent agenda to move African and indigenous people living in the United States of America to empower themselves and their communities. Our goal is to dismantle white supremacy. Until one understands white supremacy, what it is and how it works, anything and everything else that you understand will confuse you. Neely Fuller Jr. Great day here in Kansas City as I kick off this podcast today. Um, I'm recording this today on um, January 29th, a Saturday. Uh, currently a sunny, sunny 30, 39 degrees outside. Um, basketball games are in the background. Uh, looking forward to the um, AF, AFC championship games and the NFC championship games tomorrow. Uh, as you well know, since I am from Kansas City, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are playing for the AFC Championship tomorrow against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm really looking forward to that game. I think it will be a very, very entertaining game. And hopefully the Chiefs will come through for me and make it extremely entertaining. Uh, if you missed the Chiefs-Bills game last week, you would have seen, again, another very, very entertaining game. Um, yeah, uh, there was a lot of suspense, a lot of back and forth, especially in the last uh, uh, fourth quarter in the last two and a half minutes of the game. I believe there was a total of 25 points that were... Uh, exchanged back and forth during that time, which showed you the type of game this was going to be. And I expect nothing less with the Bengals. Okay, so guys, grab your popcorn. Uh, you're going to see a very good game tomorrow with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. I am not giving any uh, predictions at this point. I'm only saying that Vegas has the Chiefs with a slight leave. Uh, last time I saw it was seven points. It may be less at this point. But uh, I believe Vegas is seeing something that I may be seeing, so I'm going to leave it right there. So hopefully the Chiefs will prevail tomorrow and have a great game and we'll move on to the Super Bowl for a third straight year. I'm looking forward to that. So please, y'all, um, enjoy that 
enjoy the game tomorrow. I'm, 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 I'm assuring you well, it's going to be a Jason's really here. good game. Now, uh, let's jump into a little local news before I get into my presentation for today. Um, got a couple of things that I want to bring up here uh, as soon as I can get them in front of me. Well, let's see what happened here. Well, here we go. Got a um, a thing from you for you today from the um, Christian Post. Um, there's an article here that says pastor who predicted end of Trump's presidency says God is going to reimburse Black America, Black Americans. I'm sorry. Um, Looks like this article was written uh, Thursday, April 17th, 2021. Um, and again, this is in the Christian Post. Uh, the article was written by Leonardo Blair of the Christian Post. And it shows uh, Reverend John A. Kirkpatrick at the podium. This is the picture. Uh, leads the church of his presence in Daphne, Alabama. Alabama. <clears throat> now, again, guys, sometimes you got to pay attention to what you're getting into and understand the power of words. Church of his presence. Uh, first question I have to ask is whose presence and why didn't you make it clear that that's the presence that you're speaking of? Why do I have to um, assume that's what you're speaking of? The other thing that blows me away about this guy, and I have been doing some background work on uh, Jonestown that I will be presenting pretty soon. Uh, this guy is wearing um, the dark shades and the um, type of shirt uh, it's a little bit bigger, a little bit longer than what Jim Jones wore back in the deal, back in the day, rather. But it is still that type of shirt. This guy is looking, except for the difference in size, this guy is looking very much like Jim Jones with the dark hair, the dark glasses, the uh, type of shirt that Jones was wearing, which is a button up with the square bottom, uh, no tailored bottom, square bottom. And in the background, you can clearly see that part of his parishioners are black. So um, this is kind of a warning to you guys to pay attention to what you guys are getting into with these churches, especially those churches. Now, I'm not saying that all white uh, evangelicals, evangelicals, uh, Jellicus, uh, I can't get the word out this morning. Sorry about that, y'all. Didn't mean to stumble over that. But let's try that again. I'm not trying to say that evangelicals, particularly white evangelicals, are evil. I'm not saying that. There are some 
who understand the gospel and preach the gospel. And I have another presentation that will show you that. Not today. Coming up. But what I am saying is when I get stories like Pastor Mike Todd's um, well, swipes Leviticus loogies across parishioners' face, and Pastor Mike Todd uh, is a pastor in Oklahoma. And for whatever reason, um, he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let me get you the name of his church. Transformation Church. Okay. And again, assuming in the name, what is that transformation and why aren't we more direct as to what we're talking about? Uh, these are things that I think we need to pay attention to because we need to understand the power of words. Sometimes we're getting tipped off just by reading the title of where we're going with these things, okay? So I'm just asking you guys to pay attention to the people that you follow, especially in today's world, in the religious arena. Uh, Pastor uh, Michael Todd in Bixby, Oklahoma, called on churches across America to take the lead on the issues of reparations as he as he presented $200,000 check to each of the only living survivors of Tulsa race massacre that uh, occurred uh, back in June 1st, 1921. Now, this is the same uh, pastor trash transformation uh, church that spit in his hands and wiped the spit across the face of one of his parishioners to make a point about his sermon. Um, his sermon, uh, if I remember the title correctly, was uh, following God's commands can get ugly. Or something similar to that. I'm paraphrasing at this time because I don't have that part of the article in front of me at this time. But I did want to share that. Again, that article appeared in the Christian Post. Okay. So even though the pastor uh, was able to present $200,000 checks uh, uh, for those who were uh, harmed during the Tulsa riots, uh, this particular article is not telling me where this money came from. Um, I'm sure it didn't come from his church because in the picture, that'll be one, two, three, four survivors there. So that would be, uh, looks like three survivors. I'm sorry, uh, three survivors. So that's $600,000. And I don't know very many black churches that have that kind of money to uh, to give up. So what I'm trying to do is a white mob, I got all that. Reparations is not a political word. Reparation is a word that tells our left-wing friends or our right-wing friends um, have coined, Todd said. Let me give you the definition of reparation. The action of repairing something that was devastated. 
Reparation means that somebody is going to take up the mantle and actually put into action the process of repairing something that was destroyed. Now, I get all that. But still, where did the money come from? That is what I am looking for in this article. And it says, here we go. Transformation Church gave away a total of one million to the massacre survivors survivors and nonprofit organization Sunday. This includes a $100,000 check to AJ Johnson, owner of the Oasis Fresh Market, which provides fresh fruits and other groceries to the underserved community. The church also donated $50,000 to the Terrence Crutcher Foundation, $50,000 to build a Tulsa $100,000 to one race movement and $100,000 to Greenwood Cultural Center. Now, again, my question is, since this came from the church, where is this money coming from? Although it was put to good use. I don't have a problem with that. But anyway, moving on. Supreme Court uh, denies Keith Corns uh, an early release after uh, petitioning the Missouri Supreme Court. Keith Corns uh, has been incarcerated for 18 years for a crime he has um, claimed he did not commit uh, for the killing of Tony White uh, back in 2006. Uh, they have come up with new witnesses and a witness which recanted their story, which claims that uh, Corns could not have been involved in this killing. So they petitioned the Supreme Court and was able to get a, um, a hearing or at least a review from what they called the Supreme Master of the Supreme Court. And they presented that to the court. And just yesterday it came down that the court denied his early release. So we'll continue to watch that story and hopefully Brother Carnes can get his release and we can um, hopefully get the brother paid for what they did to him and the improper incarceration of Brother Carnes. Also, Kevin Strickland is, Susan, is suing the prison medical staff for not providing him quality care while incarcerated, causing him to be wheelchair bound. Um, so he is uh, pushing that suit on through. Uh, hopefully the brother will get uh, restitution for the, the medical um, treatment he did not receive and hopefully we can get that brother well and on his way um, last but not least uh, I gave you the um, we have a correction here from my last episode and I'll get this moving along I didn't know it was going to get us this far into the program with my little rant but the correction is um on um, How to Brainwash a Nation, Part 3, 
I stated that Nelson Rockefeller was replaced by Gerald Ford as Nixon's VP. That was incorrect. Um, if you go back to that time frame, the Watergate scandal broke in June 1972. The Nixon Agnew team wins the presidency again in November of 1972. Agnew uh, resigns for campaign racketeering charges and income tax evasion uh, in November of 1973. He pleads no contest and resign. He gets absolutely no trial, no investigation, no nothing. He resigns. It's over. Ford becomes president after Nixon resigns in August of 1974. Okay. Um, Ford Um, had to be selected uh, prior to Nixon's uh, resignation so that he would be in place. So Ford was the VP at that time. Now, when Nixon resigned in August of 74, Ford became the, the president and then selected the robber baron, uh, the inherited robber baron and mass murderer, uh, Nelson Rockefeller as VP. Now, if you're following that story, you will realize the real trick here is both the president and the vice president were not elected after Nixon resigned the presidency. They were not elected. So that is the correction that I had. We're going to go ahead and get into our program for this evening, which is Brainwash a Nation in Four Steps. Part four, which is crisis and normalization. And before we get into that, you need to get a little recap from my um, interview host here, which is Yuri Bezmanov. And uh, that's coming up right now. So stay with me. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all the schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. Your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are not, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them 
when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, they, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. But they may turn into the most bitter enemies of Marxist-Leninists when they come to power. And that's what happened in Nicaragua. You remember most of these uh, former Marxist-Leninists were either put to prison or one of them split and now he's working against Sandinistas. It happened in, in uh, Grenada when Maurice Bishop was, he was already a Marxist. He was executed by, by a new Marxist who was more Marxist than this Marxist. Same happened in Afghanistan when uh, first there was Taraki, he was killed by Amin, then Amin was killed by Babrak Karman with the help of KGB. Same happened in, in Bangladesh when Mujibur Rahman, very pro-Soviet leftist, was assassinated by his own Marxist-Leninist military comrades. It's the same pattern everywhere. It's divided in, in four basic stages. Demoralization, destabilization, crisis, normalization. Again, that is Yuri Brezmanov, who is bringing us up to date on the process of subversion and how to brainwash a nation. Step four, three and four, actually, with crisis and normalization. Now, what we have to do at this point, if you have not been following my podcast, then you're probably not aware of the first two stages of demoralization, demoralization and destabilization, then crisis, and then normalization. Now, for the African and indigenous communities here in the United States of America, you are now under normal normalization. Okay. For the rest of the United States of America, you are in crisis. Now, according to Bresmanov, and the way this is laid out in the pattern. Now, I also showed you that destabilization, or excuse me, demoralization was something that happened through the education process. Uh, you need to go back and look at my very first podcast on how to brainwash a nation in four steps and listen to that. You will also hear from Charlotte Iserbit, who was a insider in Washington. She was with the U.S. Department of Education. Her job was to research policies and um, procedures uh, for education in the United States. Now, Miss Isabet happened to run across a program that was not public called BEAT, B-E-A-T. It's an acronym, and I don't have that information in front of me to break down the acronym, but that particular uh, piece of document that she discovered 
she went public with that. And the main thing about this particular document was that the U.S. Department of Education's main goal was to control education on the local level. Now, for those in Kansas City, you might have felt that a little bit more uh, than others. I know New York City felt it. I know most major urban centers felt this. But particularly here in Kansas City, uh, you just received back your accreditation in education for the state of Missouri. And it's been a 22-year-long journey to get fully accredited here in the state of Missouri. Now, I'm trying to point y'all and piece this thing together so that you could actually see this thing. And then we heard from um, Dr. John Henry Clark, who told you that the American education system is designed to create workers. They're not, it's not designed to empower you. We also heard that from Dr. Amos Wilson. Now moving this along so we can get into the crisis and destabilization here, uh, under the destabilization, two very important parts came out that he pointed to. He pointed the destabilization would take place through your financial institution, your foreign policy, and war. Okay? So, economy, foreign policy, and war. He also mentioned that during his 14 years in this portion of the world, he was surprised how quickly the Marxist influence is in our all three portions that he described. Our foreign policy, our economy, and war. He's already pointing out that Marxist policies were already instilled, already installed, okay? So now we're getting to the point where you saw what the demoralization process was. Now, according to him, it takes 30 to 35 years for that to happen. Considering that this interview was done in 1985, the demoralization process started in the 1950s. Well, you got to understand what was going on in the 1950s. Okay? You had Topeka versus Board of Education. That lawsuit was not brought by the black community. It was a part of the lawsuit after the fact. Again, it was part of the lawsuit 
after, I mean, after the lawsuit was thought about and put into place. Go read about the uh, Topeka, Topeka versus Board of Education. And do keep in mind that lawsuit was more about economics, which you will find out later on, than anything else. It was not about equality in teaching African and indigenous people. It was not about that. Okay? You can also go to Trust No Shadows After Dark African-American genocide in the United States. And Walter Brooks is laying that out for you under education. It was not about teaching our children. It was about making money off of our children. Okay. That happened in the 1950s. The other thing that he said that would help divide and destabilize the country was the whole civil rights movement. People, the civil rights movement kicked off in the 50s. Yes, the Montgomery bus boycott officially kicked off the civil rights era. That was in the 50s. Okay. Now, with that, Keep in mind, the whole title is How to Brainwash a Nation in Four Steps. Now, most people can't get by the word brainwashing, okay? Well, it's a fact. And I'm going to be doing a separate podcast just on that. You guys don't know, and I explained it in, uh, I believe, Under Destabilization Part 3, how brainwashing came about. So you got to go back and pick those series up because I'm trying to keep the time down on these presentations, so I don't want to go back and and cover all of that. Now, that you got an idea on demoralization, destabilization now we're in crisis now we have been in crisis for some time I have to explain to you all the things that brought us to crisis and a lot of these things were targeted to the black community okay Let's get into it. Let's start, and keep in mind, a part of this is all brainwashing. And if you're not familiar with trauma-based brainwashing, uh, it's one of the steps of brainwashing. Okay? And, again, I will have a separate presentation on this, but I want you to see what's going on. You got to look at what was going down in the 60s, especially against black folks, okay? They killed off every leader we had that stood up for black, for African people with the goal 
of getting our civil rights in this country and the racism during that time was so overt Keep in mind, the racism is used to divide the people. Keep that in mind. The killing and jailing of our freedom fighters from the 1960s through the 70s, including the killing of Megar Evers, including the killing of Malcolm X, including the killing of Martin Luther King, including the killing of JFK, including the killing of RFK. These were all public killings. Okay? No espionage here. No poisoning. Okay, no poisoning, nothing, no giving them a heart attack. None of that. They just straight out killed them publicly, violently. That is trauma-based programming, y'all. And this happened through the 60s and 70s. Particularly uh, programmed to uh, to African people African and indigenous people and the process started at that time to start to bring in the fascist agenda. You got to pay attention to things after the killing of Kennedy. Okay. The other thing, King heroin, Vietnam, the trauma of that war alone is programming. Don't forget the number of soldiers coming back here with a heroin habit. Don't forget how the heroin exploded across this country during the Vietnam War. Don't forget how drugs exploded across this country during the Vietnam War. Again, part of the programming that they do is they have to put you into an altered state in some type of way. During the 60s, the U.S. government used drugs to put the U.S. population into an altered state through a movement we call the hippies. Tim Leary was CIA. LSD was invented by the CIA and the Department of Defense. They experimented on their own soldiers with LSD. 
The whole purpose was they wanted to make sure they were creating soldiers that would not give up top secret information. So their special forces, their special forces were targeted for this type of program. Okay. We have the proof on that. It's well documented, y'all. Moving on, we also had the breakup of the black family via warfare starting in the 1960s. Okay. Education is being changed. The civil rights movement is dividing the social, uh, the country, uh, socially, politically. We had the start of welfare, which kept the black male out of the house even if he wanted to be there but could not afford to raise his own children, they were kept out of the house in order to keep the welfare checks coming in. And it began a downward spiral in the breakup of the black family. We also had another little thing called Planned Parenthood, which also contributed to the black, the breakup of the black family. Now I'm going to give you a dress rehearsal for war against black people, which happened November 18, 1978 called Jonestown and people we don't give Jonestown the proper respect nor the proper um, attention as far as what happened in history and who it happened to and why. It is now coming out that Jonestown was a CIA experiment in mind control. Listen to me. Listen very carefully here. Mind control. Okay. There were white people in Georgetown. In Jonestown, rather. There were white people there in Jonestown. But they were part of the inner circle of Jim Jones, who was known to be a racist. Now, I can't get into all of that right here. I'm laying this thing out. I'm asking y'all to go research this stuff and put the thing together. I'm, I'm leaving the crumbs to bring you to a destination here. Next up, AIDS. AIDS started off as a gay disease, but devastated the African and native communities across this nations in the 1980s and 90s. 
The gay movement got much of the attention about AIDS, okay? But after AIDS had blown up in the world, it was African and indigenous people that were being wiped out here in the United States and especially on the African continent where they put AIDS on the continent. I also indicated that AIDS may have been a, a laboratory experiment that got out of control at Fort Detrick, or did it get out of control at Fort Detrick? Then we move on into the 1980s. We're still looking at the uh, devastation and the uh, trauma-based programming and crisis that was done uh, to both the African and indigenous community here in the United States. And because it was so public and so wide open, it also affected the other communities here in the United States. MOVE was the firebombing of an organization and I want you to go and research MOVE. I don't have the time to break all this stuff down. Some of this stuff I'm gonna break down so that you can get it, like Mind Control in Jonestown. I want you to understand what happened there. I will break that down in, a, in future podcasts, okay? In the city of brotherly love, our mayor, W. Wilson Good, allowed a police force of 500 police officers who were there to arrest 13 people, six of them children. Woodrow Wilson Good then allowed the police chief to drop an incendiary device from a helicopter onto this building, which exploded and set the building on fire. As the residents of the building tried to exit the building, the police fired upon them. The results Six adults and five children died. And then our biggest issues of the 80s was the loss of our warriors doing gang violence of the 80s and 90s. You're talking about our biggest missed opportunity. These were our real warriors. These were young men that had the spirit of warriors in them. We did not go out as older men, as the elders of the community, as the protectors of the community. We did not go out and harness that warrior spirit. Along with that warrior spirit, they killed it with the influence of gangster rap. 
Hindsight, hindsight dictates we should have shut down the language in gangster rap. But we didn't do it. Then we had the Department of Defense beginning to produce video games and movies directly for our youth. You don't believe me? Do the research. Um, what was the first one that came out? Um, I'm, I'm, I, it'll come to my mind here, and I'll, I'll spit it out here in a minute. But it did come out in the, I believe, in the 90s. Um, uh, was the first war video game that had the full blessings and um, development of the Department of Defense behind it. Now, I want you to see how all these things come together to bring us to crisis. Then we get into legalized gambling. Um, also, behind all the stuff that was produced with the game violence, uh, with the crack ep epidemic that came in, uh, was the privatization, the private, uh, privatization of prisons, and of course, the money-making machine of the criminal justice system. All these things are connected, guys, and they're all part of the bringing the African and indigenous people community in this country to crisis, okay? Then we had the 9-11 event. This is another uh, traumatic uh, uh, program event programming event, I believe 9-11 was because there's too much that was wrong about 9-11, including the 9-11 commission. You need to go back and re-look at that. You also had the um, complete, starting in the, I would say the 80s, moving forward, you had the complete development of celebrity culture. And you had not only black America into celebrity culture, but as well as the majority of America, especially the youth, were brought up in celebrity culture thanks to Disney and other youth-oriented uh, programs and companies that uh, continue to spit this stuff out through the generations. You have to look at some of these things and wonder, especially with with Disney, how can, um, what's her name, Miley Cyrus, when she was Hannah Montana, a very lovable character uh, for young people to um, attach themselves to in the entertainment uh, portion on, you know, how can she go to that, to Miley Cyrus we saw on stage, uh, twerking. How did it happen? And what happens with the young people that followed her from her innocent youth to her current Miley Cyrus twerking on stage? Now you got to keep in mind that these kids grew up with that. So you have to understand what they're doing here. 
So the celebrity culture just really took place. And then also we had the development of social media, which is you will hear when I get into my mind control piece is one of those things we have to be extremely careful with. We have to be careful with social media and I will explain it to you all later. But let's look at one of the things that happened on social media. George Floyd and the protests. You see, without social media, George Floyd may not have been known. The same thing goes for Michael Brown. You gotta ask, why did Michael Brown's body lay in the street for so long? Over four hours, if I remember correctly. And all of this was unfolding on social media. Okay. Nine minutes and 22 seconds, whatever it was with George Floyd. All on social media. I remember the day a good friend of mine sent me the clip. At about the four or five minute mark, I really began to cringe inside because I could feel the life of this man leaving him. His life force being forced out of him. Why was that done? You got to also consider the constant war we've been in from 2001 to 2021 and the upcoming war that they're pushing now with the Ukraine. Also look at the number of police killings from 1970 to today and the amount of killings that have been going on by police in this country is going up. I did a video on that also, guys. I showed you. I even posed the question. Is the police departments across this country purging the black and indigenous communities across this nation? I posed that question. Look at the number of murders that went down the last two years. And if you're seeing the same pattern that I'm seeing here in Kansas City, the murder rate has doubled. I went back to the 1980s and 90s and looked at the murder rate doing one of the most destructive periods in our community, doing the gang violence of the 80s and 90s. And the highest number of murders in one year during that time was 121. We had 246 murders in Kansas City in 2021. We need to look at this stuff. 
okay? We really need to look at this stuff. Also, you got to remember, y'all ain't going to like me saying this, but the election of Barack Obama clearly started the next wave of social and political divide in this country. Now, I know for some of you African Americans out there, you get a little confused and you say, no, 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 no. We, with the election of Obama, that meant that there was a new era in race politics in the United States, that we were no longer functioning under the old ways of this country when it was just the opposite. I remember reports in 2009 after the inauguration of Obama that in rural areas across this nation, people damn near bought all the guns from Walmart. In rural areas, they damn near bought all the guns from Walmart. Then you turn around and in 2013, after Obama's second term, they bought up all the ammunition. Research it. Research it. I'm back. I'm sorry. Do do research that information. That is something that truly amazed me that uh, they did that. Um, and also, do keep in mind, uh, the president that followed Obama was Trump. And Trump had been stoking the um, conspiracy theories against Obama particularly the um, if he was a natural or national nationalized citizen or natural citizen of the United States. Um, he was uh, one of the birthers, birthers um, that was um, attacking Obama about who he was. And the underlying thing is, is that uh, Trump, began to stoke those covert racist attitudes into overt racist attitudes. Uh, and then he started the first stage of the destruction of the American democracy are not the first stage, but maybe another final stage. And this is why we are in crisis stage as a nation. But again, as African um, and indigenous people in this country, we have been normalized. Um, and we'll get into more of that. But with Trump, 
and the big lie about the election and January 6, 2021, that is where the overt, the covert became the overt. And these folks were saying that a small minority of folks should be empowered to select who our government is. They don't care about what anybody else thinks. Now, keep in mind, if you've been following my podcast, you heard Bresmanov say that. That in the face of destabilization, they do not care what you think. And this fraction of the Trumpers of the Republican Party is exactly that way. They do not want to hear anything else than what they think, they believe, and they want. Please follow this channel. There's information that I'm putting out there showing this to be very, very real. I pointed you to the um, American Redoubt in Idaho. I pointed you to Southern discomfort of white folks still continually supporting their Confederate roots in Florida. I pointed you to the cotton-picking truth. Slavery still alive in 2016. I have more that I will present. Um, I'm, I, I, unfortunately, I'm at the hour mark on this podcast, so I'm going to have to cut this short so I don't lose you totally. But that brings you up to where we are. Okay, the white fascist America is now in place. And the people, these white fascists, want a dictator. They want Trump. They have started to create an all-white state in Idaho and other places of the country where Trump supporters are starting to come together to control their electoral politics. Okay? They are clearly saying, and again, through uh, the Brooks report and Brother Walter Brooks, he pointed out, as well as Roland Martin and other broadcasters, that the 2020 census for the first time showed that the white population of this country is not growing. In fact, it declined. 
So if you truly understand white supremacy in this country, they don't care about democracy anymore. This thing is moving toward fascism. Fascism. Fascism is what I'm trying to say. Sorry about that. And don't forget, and I already showed you that the country is a corptocracy. Corporations and our financial institutions run this country. We need to understand what's going on. I have shown you that the Nazis have put two presidents into office in the United States, a father and a son. The 90s and the 2000s. Please follow this channel. This is not a hoax. This is not a drill. This is information that is that should be preparing our community for defense against anything that may happen in our communities, okay? We really need to get into a lot of things that are in support of our community. The first thing we need to do is do something that I think is a brilliant ideal from Dr. Jarrett Ball which is the after party. I saw his presentation. I thought the presentation was done extremely well. It made sense. I was able to follow it. And when you look at the polling numbers that he showed in that presentation, it shows the majority of Americans do not approve of Biden or Trump. That's really saying something, guys. It is time for us to do something different about our electoral politics. And here's the genius thing about what Dr. Ball is presenting. This will get on board anybody who has a brain or has a couple of working cells still between their ears. They will understand this will benefit everyone. He's talking about a jubilee, a clearing of debt for everyone. He's talking about putting in place a universal system that will guarantee income for everyone, no matter what level of education you have. He's putting together a platform that will provide housing for everyone. Okay? He's putting together a platform that will provide profit-free health care. 
I have another special coming up on how the healthcare industry became what it is. And you have to understand it was co-opted in order to make profits. Okay. Another presentation coming up. These are things that will benefit all the people. Okay. Y'all want to call it socialism. Y'all want to call it whatever. It's better than the Marxist fascism that is coming into place right now. People, we need to wake up. Upcoming, other than, I will do a presentation on mind control with a little bit of focus on social media. Coming up, I will do another presentation for you on Jonestown and how it was a CIA mind control experiment experiment i will bring i will uh do that for you coming up here real soon uh that information just stay in touch with the podcast and you will uh see these things coming up uh go to my website www.therightauthority.com and there you can sign up for email you can leave me a message there. And, of course, you can support what I'm doing by buying a brother a cup of coffee. Yes, by all means, uh, buy a brother a cup of coffee. Um, we will get to Dark Persuasion, the history of brainwashing from Pavlov to social media. Okay. I will also present for you, stay with me, Jason Stanley warns America is now in fascism, fascism's special phrase, legal phrase, I'm sorry. One more time. Jason Stanley, his, this is a Yale uh, philosopher, professor, has written an article, America is now in fascism's legal phase. And this is an uh, article after his work, How Fascism Works. So uh, I'll bring you that information. So, and this is current stuff. Uh, this this is stuff that was done uh, just this month uh, here in the uh, U.S. In fact, uh, NPR is carrying that particular interview, and I will share that with you. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and wrap things up right there. We've gotten into a lot. Uh, hopefully, you guys were able to follow this. And if you did not follow my previous podcast you're not getting the full picture of everything that i'm presenting so i am asking you to go back 
start with my podcast that says uh, Brainwashing America in Four Steps. It has a picture of a blue brain. Okay. Start there and come to back to this podcast so that you can put the whole picture together. I have laid it out how Yuri Bezmanov, a Soviet trained subversive agent, trained in the techniques of mind of uh, subversive techniques and propaganda to transform a nation from democracy to Marxism. You want to understand this process because now they say hindsight is 2020. This man did the interview in 1985 and everything he has laid out. I have put you on a trail of crumbs to show you what the demoralization phase was. What the destabilization phase was. What the crisis stage is. And for African and indigenous people, what the normalization stage is right now. Okay? What I'm saying is, we have to pull together and create a new galvanized political base that I believe should support the tenets and suggestions that Jared Ball laid down in his after party video. I think it's something that we should consider. We should discuss, debate, and then set into action. And the beautiful thing that I like about what Jared Ball is saying is that we're going to use the Malcolm X model of building a political base. Now, if you don't know what that is, all right, uh, you need to get your research done on Malcolm X, but you can find it in his speech that he gives on the um, uh, Organization of African American Unity and uh, Muslim uh, Marion, uh, what, what's the name of this mosque? Um, I forget the name of his mosque. My bad. It just slips me. But he there's a speech that 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 he explains the purpose of both of those organizations. And the part on the mosque itself is very very short. He just gets that out of the way that that's what he uses for his faith and his religious journey. Also, if you haven't seen a movie called Malik. 
you need to check that movie out because it shows the connection that he made in the uh, Muslim world as well as the connection he made uh, within the revolutionary leaders on the African continent and why Malcolm uh, spent so much time touring in Africa and abroad, okay? Uh, very interesting story. Check that out, Malik. Uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, peace and blessings to everyone. Hopefully everyone has a great weekend. Go Chiefs. Hopefully the next time you hear me speak uh, next week, uh, we're playing in the Super Bowl, hopefully. And we'll go from there. So with that, I'm out of here. Everybody have a great night. Enjoy your evening. Peace. Don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how a cute going under.